0: Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 549 of the Juicebox podcast. You are going to enjoy today's show. I interviewed Katie while she was uh, pretty pregnant. Today, she has a baby. At the end of the episode, I'll tell you more about that baby. For now, remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Also remember that you should consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. This one's fun. I remember we did this with the video on, which I don't often do. I remember Katie saying she hadn't had much interaction with adults. And uh, we had a really good time chatting. Oh, and she's living in Slovenia right now which sounded exotic to me. Of course, I am a person who, when I hear you live in Canada, imagines you're being killed by a bear, so I don't have a world traveler view. As I reflect on what I've just said, I don't even know if I count as an adult, so maybe she hadn't had any contact with adults. This episode of the Juice Box podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. I want you to go to contournext.com forward slash juice box to learn more about the most accurate blood glucose meter that I've ever used. The show is also sponsored today by Touched by Type One. Find out more about them at them? Did I not say them correctly? Find out more about them at touchedbytype1.org or on their Facebook or Instagram pages.
1: My name is Katie. I'm 32 years old. Uh, I'm type one diabetic, and I'm seven months pregnant. And now I'm currently living in Slovenia.
0: Nice, okay. So Katie, when you think you're turning your head, and so you're like, hey, I'm Katie. I'm Mm -hmm. 32 years old.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay. The microphone isn't this good. I'll just hold it. <laughs> this know, is better.
0: Wow, that's amazing. If you if you feel like doing that the whole time, definitely do that. But leave that all <laughs> in. We'll 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 uh we'll we'll leave your microphone training, uh, in the, in the episode. So how old did you say you were? Thirty two. And you were diagnosed when?
1: When I was eleven. Eleven.
0: So two thousand twenty one years ago.
1: Yeah.
0: Pff, see how quickly I did that. <laughs> were you impressed at all? amazing. No, you weren't. I was. I think that's the problem is that I was like, that's 21 years ago. And then this little like confetti pops off of my head. It's like it's <laughs> like, you did it. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong. I don't know why my brain doesn't grasp math the way it should. Uh, anyway, <laughs> well, let's...
1: this is fairly simple math, right? It's 2021. But uh,
0: still, oh, I know what you're saying. But I'm just impressed that like, because you don't all right look not to get on a sideline but my brain takes out a chalkboard and i can visually see your age and then that happened and then it goes oh you just take the one off and then there's two here so that's 20 and then that's one and it literally (laughs) happens like that in my head which is why i'm not good at geometry and algebra and other things because i think i would need more of a grasp of math than that to get through that stuff but it just
1: sounds like you're kind of a visual person
0: you think so I don't know you're probably right um okay long time then is the answer you're originally from California
1: yes Ah. originally from kind of the well originally from the Bay Area and then I grew up in the Sierra Nevada foothills
0: oh that sounds lovely was it
1: yeah yeah it was a small I was in a small town really beautiful
0: right that's amazing kind of
1: close to Tahoe-ish
0: but you don't live there anymore no. Why currently, is that? I live in Slovenia,
1: in the capital city.
0: Say that one more time for people.
1: Uh, currently, I live in Slovenia. It's uh, in Europe. It's between Italy and Croatia and Austria, kind of.
0: And nowhere smished. near the foothills in <laughs> California. We
1: have some Alps, near <laughs> Alps. Uh, nearby.
0: How did you end up there?
1: Uh, my husband is a Slovenian guy, so he he was doing an internship in California and Silicon Valley uh, when we met gotcha. about eight years ago. And uh, now we've been living here for about a year and a half.
0: And and he said, I have to go home. And you were like, I'll go with you. How long have you been married?
1: Uh, we've been married about three years, okay. I think.
0: So he springs this on you after you're trapped. Is that what you're saying?
1: No, no. I actually wanted to. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is always something that we kind of planned on. It was just a matter of the timing.
0: Gotcha. Well, that's interesting. That's really cool. I mean, it's adventurous at the very least too. I mean, it would have been adventurous to move to Arizona, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah,
1: and you don't know me, but it's very adventurous for me, also. I'm uh-huh. not a huge uh, risk taker by gotcha. nature. So, well, that's,
0: oh, that's pretty cool, and it sounds like it's going okay, except for before we started recording, the mail system in the, uh, Slovenia not good. We don't like. <laughs> it. We're upset with the mail system. Yeah, but that's neither here nor there. So how? Yeah. So, so you've got diabetes as a child. You grow up with type one, being on your parents. Situation: I Imagine you went to college, and then got a job. You're on your own, and then you leave the country. So, I, before we dive into why you're on the show, I, I kind of want to start off with how that changes. Like, what happens when you leave one country and go to another? How do you manage all that?
1: Mm, the diabetes component, yeah. or you know, like just your, everything?
0: Yeah, getting your stuff, like getting your, you know, your diabetes tech and like all that.
1: Yeah, that was kind of a scary aspect, um, but it turned out to not be as difficult as I thought it was going to be. Um, the hardest part was just making sure I would have enough supplies in this interim period before I had insurance mm-hmm. over here. Okay. Um, but the once you have insurance over here, um, which you get as soon as you are registered as a resident, mm-hmm. even if you're a temporary resident, um, then you are covered. So it's not a problem anymore. Wow. Um, and it's like a universal healthcare system. So it's it's really a lot nicer than the situation in the U.S. But I, I did stockpile supplies before coming. So I planned to have, I think I had between three and six months of supplies for everything. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't so crazy because I've had doctors in the U S also when I did, I did a three month trip to Southeast Asia and I did a three month trip around the U S and doctors are willing to help you out to cover an extra supply gap. Yeah. Uh, load during this kind of thing.
0: Did you end up needing all of it? Sorry. Did you did you really end up needing all that backlog that you had, or did it turn out to be more than you?
1: It was. I was happy that I had as much as I did. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't use it all up, but it was not a lot of extra wiggle room by the time the insurance came through. There was some bureaucracy, and. I will say it's really helpful to have my husband be somebody who speaks Slovenian to help me navigate the system because mm-hmm. if I were just an American speaking English and trying to do all. Give me things. one
0: second. This never happens. Hello, I'm recording. What's up? No, I'm not kidding you. Wait, you left something in here. <laughs> this is funny. Hold on a second. <laughs> no problem. So not, hey, I'm sorry. This isn't on the calendar, but I'm like, it is on the calendar. No, it's not. <laughs> That's what she just said. To her. Like it was almost like I'm not bothering you because this isn't on the calendar, and I was like, yeah, it, 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 but it is. She, I, I, not I only can that, understand that. Well, not only that. Forty five minutes ago, she was in here, and I was like, hey, I gotta record soon, and she was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay well then that's
0: less understandable it's much less that that was very interesting that's like literally no one's ever walked in here while i was doing this before that was the first time that's ever happened i'm I'm sorry (laughs) i i I wonder if you if you were to have gotten there and didn't have stuff if you didn't prep as well as you did it was would there have been a way for you to to get what you needed
1: yeah i think it wouldn't have been impossible um i think i could have they, they have a universal healthcare system, which is great for, for um, kind of covering everybody. But I think I could have paid out of pocket to see a private doctor mm-hmm. and just gotten a prescription and then paid out of pocket for insulin. And gotcha. it might have been a difficult, um, I might not have been able to get, I don't know if I would have been able to get, because I have a continuous glucose monitor and an insulin pump. Um, and I'm not sure if it might have been more difficult to get prescriptions for those gotcha. items. But at least for kind of like the getting by, I'm I'm almost positive it would have been still okay.
0: What if you would have said, what if you would have met a boy who is from a country where your stuff's not for sale? Like if your pump and your CGM weren't available wherever he was from, what how would you have felt about that, do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean... I haven't really gone. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't really gone down that path. <laughs> yeah,
0: because it, it, there are um, places, there are places all over the world that you know you can't get an Omnipod or you can't get Dexcom at stuff like that. I yeah, mean, I don't know what
1: you're um, using. I mean, I'm a relatively recent convert to mm. using a CGM um, yeah. in the scheme of things. I I actually was offered one, um, and I I used the. So I have a med- Medtronic insulin pump, mm-hmm. uh, the 670G, but I don't use the closed loop system. And then I have a Dexcom okay. uh, CGM. <laughs> and uh, I tried the Mini Med um, CGM maybe five years ago or so, six maybe. Uh, they were trying to, they were kind of encouraging me to try not not with the 670G, but mm-hmm. with the just with the old. Uh, medtronic pump that they had and um i just hated it it was i felt like it was inaccurate it was beeping all the time uh driving me really crazy and uh so i i i kind of thought all cgms suck and so
0: (laughs) i don't know (laughs) needless to say i don't know i don't know one person that that used that original um medtronic cgm and then was like this thing was great (laughs) Like, and,
1: yeah, I used it for less than a week, I think, before it was like, nope, this yeah. isn't for me. My blood sugars are fine. I, um, I,
0: I think in fairness, too, not that we need to defend anybody, but being the first through the door is hard. You know, like the first person to be like, we're going to try a thing, you know, and then you're like, hey, it doesn't work as well as it ne- I need it to. It's, it's tough. Somebody's got to blaze a trail. And that's not usually, yeah. you know, it's not usually a happy story when you're trailblazing. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you no got kidding. a little turned off to it for a while. Sorry. You were a little turned off to it for a while then
1: yeah um but then you know i kept hearing people talk about the dexcom even before i got the medtronic cgm people were talking about how much they love the dexcom yeah um but i just kind of thought it can't be that different from the medtronic Mm -hmm. it's all kind of the same same and so i didn't use another one for maybe three or four years after that um Mm. now you are and then actually i think only two and a half years ago or so my uh doctor that i had just I only had him for one or two appointments. He was like, why are you not on a CGM? Like, CGMs are so great. I'm writing you a prescription. Just go get one right now. This Dexcom, it's covered by your insurance anyway. And it really has changed my life. (laughs) 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 So if you ask me now, I would really prioritize being able to get a CGM is the short answer. I So it's easier
0: to get you to Slovenia than it was to get you a CGM. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <definitely>. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So you, in the note that you wrote me, you said that for a very long part of your life, I want you to really kind of dig in and explain this concept to me that, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you minimized diabetes or tried to keep it in the background. I want I want your words for it, but I want to understand how how you treated it in that that time.
1: Mhm. Yeah, I mean, I think I was never. um, I've heard on some of the. I've listened now to quite a few of the podcasts. Now I'm listening to them like a couple times a week, every week, Um, and I've heard a lot of people say maybe they were embarrassed or ashamed, and I didn't. I think I didn't really feel that way, but um, I just really didn't want my identity to be associated with diabetes. Like it felt like a stereotype, I guess which is kind of crazy now to think about, but, um, yeah, so I definitely didn't bring it up unless somebody asked. Um, and then if somebody did ask, I always was happy to talk about it. Yeah. But, um, especially in high school,
0: I always think of it as I'm trying to really listen to people and dig through what they're saying. And I wonder sometimes if, um, that idea of, like, it wasn't a big deal to me, I just didn't want to have it attached to me, is a fear reframed? Like, like like you must feel like that's what's going to happen, or you wouldn't be concerned about it. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah,
1: I think I thought... I, it definitely was coming from a place of fear, I think. Um, I think I thought people would maybe take pity on me or think of me as more vulnerable or feel like they couldn't just act normally around me. Um,
0: Did you have that fear about yourself that you were that person?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, I, I feel like I always felt pretty confident mm-hmm. about who I was, but you know, I so I got it when I was 11. So, and I also changed schools the same year. So I switched from a private, small artsy, -hmm. Dinky school to a a (laughs) public school because my dad wanted a better math program in sixth grade, and I was like at that for that first year I was giving myself insulin injections because you had to give yourself insulin injections for a year before they'd let you get an insulin pump. Right, and so I was switching to this new big school where I didn't know anybody, and I was the kid who was like stabbing themselves with needles at lunchtime, and (laughs) I just. You know, at first I was really worried, and then I, then I kind of realized that it, maybe it's kind of a conversation starter, and like, mm-hmm. uh, so then I kind of thought, oh, it's like a joke. I can make a,
0: like, a, a joke out of about it. it. People yeah. will be
1: like, oh, are you doing cocaine? Or
0: <laughs> yes, that's they. These children really understand the cocaine process. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: And so, yeah, it actually helped me to make. In the end, it helped me to make some friends, in a way. Gotcha. Um.
0: Yeah. uh... No, I I don't this I don't not understand. And I don't think like I don't think anybody handles anything wrong. You know what I mean? Like, I think whatever works for you, I'm just super interested in like that, that idea of I don't want people to see because then they attach me to it. Because I think that's obvious. I think people make snap decisions about stuff. I don't think that's an unreasonable thing, but I wonder about the juxtaposition to the people who really legit don't care. And, it's, mm-hmm. and they're not like, it's not like aggro, like, don't care. They really don't care. You know what I mean? You yeah. know the difference between like people who say they don't care, but that's just a position they're taking and the people who really do just drift through things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I,
1: I definitely, yeah, I definitely feel like I'm more on that side of the spectrum mm-hmm. as I've aged. Um But, you know, I never tried to hide it. I was always checking my blood sugars in class. It wasn't like I was trying to minimize it in that way. It's just socially um, with friends. I I would never be like, Hold on a second. I'm counting my carbs. Like, don't interrupt me. You know. Like.
0: <laughs> Let us stop talking about boys to men for five seconds, while yeah. while while I go over how many grapes are in this bag. And and
1: sometimes maybe I would have needed, you know, that minute, but I just didn't bring it up. You know, yeah, I no, just didn't I bring heard. it up. No, it
0: makes sense to me. Um, and your your management's, I, I mean, from what you said, shared with me, has always been pretty stable, right? Like your A one Cs and things like that.
1: Yeah, I definitely um, gradually, like you've kind of talked in some of the episodes about how people kind of get complacent and don't really notice a slight drift. And and so I did notice, I think I was pretty happy actually to get the CGM because maybe in the last, prior to getting it the last couple of years, I was starting to get more regular A1Cs in the mid to high sevens occasionally. And that's, that was higher than I ever used to get. I was always kind of in the sixes and Mm -hmm. the low sevens. Um, And so I was kind of like, oh, you know, maybe I'm, and also one of my doctors referred to me as uncontrolled diabetic on a note. And she said it was in order to be able to get better access for prescriptions of some sort, I can't remember what the context was, but it kind of just freaked me out reading.
0: Yeah, like
1: even if it was her exaggerating for the sake of
0: prescriptions, right, right. Um, Let me just call you a mass murderer for a second, but don't worry, it's just to get your taxes lowered. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not comfortable <laughs> it just with. Kind of that.
1: Like, oh god, am I? Is am I anywhere close to an uncontrolled... And maybe I kind of felt like maybe I was getting there a little bit. I was just a little too comfortable with being in the two hundreds from time to time yeah
0: well it it does occur to me that if the doctor was willing to say it the numbers must have at least backed it up enough that they thought they could get away yeah
1: she wasn't like putting her license on the line by writing this
0: it's not like you had a a, a, you know a 5.2 a1c and she's like this person's out of control you you know because somebody would have said no they're not and and that would have been that did you have although did you have crazy lows or no was your variability pretty stable
1: Mm. I mean, okay. So now that I've been pregnant and on the CGM, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all, um, it's definitely all relative, uh, because looking at what my blood sugars are like now and how stable they are now and kind of the range that they're in now and have been for almost a year, I would say that there was way too much variability then, Yeah. but you know, I've heard other people talking. It's, I, I think I was kind of like not really going below 40 or 50 very often or ever Mm. and not really going above 250 or kind of the high 200s often or ever but that's still that's a a fairly good range you know like that's that's not really the healthy range um
0: it's interesting though isn't it like talk about before the cgm before you could really see it that all just seemed okay right like you weren't right. you weren't sitting around thinking like oh I have a real problem here I have to get on top of it.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. I mean, I was. Yeah, I was kind of like I should sort of get slightly. I should hone in on my control a little bit. Get back to where I was when I was first diagnosed. But then it just kind of ne- you know. Right. Never took priority.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's um. It's like your house is on fire and your response is I got to make sure my smoke detector batteries are okay instead of we should put water on this and it it because it's not. It doesn't feel imminent. Is that why?
1: Uh, I don't know. I wasn't ever. um, No, I don't think that's why exactly. I wasn't really aware. Um, Like I just wasn't, I wasn't really kind of looking into more current research and more current ideas about it. Like I was diagnosed when I was 11 and I was really up to date for at least, you know, five or 10 years after that point, kind of like paying attention to JDRF and really Mm -hmm. had a great relationship with my endocrinologist and finding out the latest. And then somewhere along the way, I was just kind of doing my own thing, doing jobs separate from it. And diabetes was just becoming kind of a smaller and smaller part of my life. And so I think I just, I kind of got trained in an, a little bit more of an old school mindset yep. and didn't totally
0: Move adjust
1: along. my thinking as people were realizing more and more yeah. how harmful the high blood sugars over time can be. And,
0: and then you wake up one day and you're like, this is how I do it. And there's this yeah. kind of like part well, of Well, really pregnancy
1: woke me up, but then kind of listening to your podcast and doing my own research outside of that and reading some books, mm. um, <laughs> it's been interesting uh, kind of realizing how doable it is to have an overall lower range Mm. and a more consistent range well and how healthy it is
0: (laughs) yeah well let's find out about that a little bit what, what you figured out so um did you make the baby on purpose or was it a surprise The next time you buy a car or a sofa or a house or a pair of shoes, don't even bother shopping for those things. Just go to your doctor's office and say, I need a pair of sneakers. Just give me whichever pair you want. Doc, pick out my sofa for me. Where do you think I should live, nurse practitioner? Mm, that's not how things work. But you let those people give you a blood glucose meter and you never asked, are there other options? Does this one even work? Hmm... Why did you do that? I'm going to guess you were overwhelmed. You didn't know what you were doing. And you thought, oh, this is a blood glucose meter. Why would you think there were other ones? Happened to me. Somebody gave us insulin and I thought this was insulin. But now Arden uses a different insulin because I looked into it and I learned and I made a more informed choice. You can do that with your blood glucose meter. If I was you, I would start at contournext.com forward slash juice and look at the Contour Next one blood glucose meter. See what I'm getting at here? This is an ad. And I'm trying to get you to go to a link. And um, you're going to do it or you're not going to. But if I was you, I would. And I'm not just saying that because someone's paying me. This is the meter that my daughter uses. It is absolutely the most accurate and easy to use meter that she's ever had, that I've ever held. It has second chance test strips, so you don't waste a strip if you don't get enough blood the first time. It has a super bright light for nighttime viewing, a screen that is easy to read and use. It fits nicely in your hand or in your pocket or in your purse. And it's really, 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 really accurate. I don't know what else you'd want. So you should check it out. Contournext.com forward slash juice they also have a test strip savings program that might be valuable to you. And the supplies could end up being cheaper in cash than you're even paying now through your insurance for another meter. I don't know, but that's where you find out. contournext.com forward slash juice box. It is a super informative and easy to use website that will give you all of the answers you need. Do you wish that your meter was connected to an app so that all of your data could be saved in one place for later viewing? Mm, if you wish that, Wish comes true, the Contour Next One blood glucose meter does that. But if you don't want to use the app, the meter works just as well without it. Links in the show notes, links at juiceboxpodcast.com, contournext.com forward slash juicebox. And while you're out on the internet, tooling around, getting yourself a new amazing meter, also check out touchedbytype1.org. Super simple, right? Touchedbytype1.org. You can do that. Let me remind you here too. Have you filled out the survey for the T1D exchange? T1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Let's get back to Katie. it was on purpose good for you look at you (laughs) your parents would be thrilled
1: (laughs) uh yeah he was we i had an iud so it was like you have to be (laughs) pretty conscientious
0: (laughs) you can't you can't it's tough to get around those um yeah so that's lovely so you decided to make a family and um and i am assuming you're staying where you're at now right like this is or maybe not not
1: forever uh we're actually going to be moving back to California um, sometime in the next one to two years. Okay. Is the plan.
0: Is there a language barrier for you? Are you like by yourself there? Like, staring? Uh, no, no, it's
1: not that. Everybody speaks English uh, pretty much. If they're under kind of a age of 40 or 50, they know pretty, pretty good English. Mm-hmm. And then it's a bit of a crapshoot depending on who you're talking to and where you're located for yeah. um, kind of the older generation and also the smaller towns outside of the capital city.
0: How, how much like right around like the area you live where you do what you do shop and do stuff like that? Like do people like, do they look at you and go, that girl's the American girl that I told you about? Like, <laughs> is it, is it that yeah, odd? or no? um,
1: To say, yeah, yeah, I think to some extent. You know, I'm taking, there I'm she studying is. Slovenian and <laughs> yeah. I'm learning it and I try to speak Slovenian as often as I can. Right. But it's a really complicated language with uh, cases. It's kind of most similar to Russian if you have to make a comparison. And um,
0: it's not I'm easy. not good. Yeah, you're not good. <laughs> Not good at it. I just really imagine you wandering down the street, and they're like, "Look, there she is." I told you there was a one. There was one here. It's there she, is. and it she's pregnant. <laughs>
1: it's not helping. It's not helping my case that I'm pregnant, and I I'm really large, uh, even though I'm only <laughs> seven months pregnant. I'm. I he's my baby is going to be really large, okay. and uh I look already like I could be about to give birth. So like right. the white. I mean, I guess everybody's white here, but like the cute American. Yeah, super pregnant lady kind of yeah. stands out. She showed yeah. up
0: and then she started making babies. So I, if it makes you feel better, the portion of you that I can see does not look pregnant at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> great. You're doing great. Your top third is rocking. Uh, nice. yeah, I, I would, I honestly, when you, when you popped up um, and I could see you, that was my first thought. I'm like, I thought she was going to be pregnant. Like that's, that's <laughs> yeah. literally what I thought when, 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 when you came on the camera and I was like, Oh, all right, well, good. Anyway, um,
1: I'll stand up later so you can see because it's, it's
0: amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> like two people, just like, yeah. yeah. I, I, you ever see those people walking around who look like they were made out of spare parts? Um, like, I always imagine, you know, uh, the end of the day, whoever's putting people together is like, well, we have a top half left and a bottom half left, but they don't <laughs> go together. And then they're just like, ah, hell, let's get out of here. And they stick them together and leave. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> I wonder if that's not what's going to happen if you're just going to stand up and look like two different people.
1: I used to do that with my gummy bears. I'd like chew off the head of one color and the bottom of another and glue them together.
0: I don't understand people who don't do that. What do you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that also works with gumdrops uh, and other such things like you know how sometimes like um like a red gumdrop and an orange gumdrop taste nice together but you don't want two gumdrops. Mm. You split them in half and Genius. then you have yeah, I don't know who doesn't do that. If anyone listening doesn't do that you're making a huge mistake. That's all I know. Do you ever turn the gummy bears backwards so they're like monsters? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: definitely. <laughs> my God. all kinds of Frankenstein gummy bears. Yeah. Well,
0: your kid's in for a, a, a lovely upbringing. I think you're <laughs> super excited to have you. Um, do you know what kind of baby it's going to be?
1: Yeah, he's a boy. Oh,
0: congratulations!
1: My sorry, I, I, I'm I am happy no matter what if he's healthy. Um, but my family is heavily boy filled already oh. so i was kind of hoping for a girl. Oh, girl
0: well don't worry i'm sure the fifth one will be a girl
1: yeah <laughs> i'm not having people
0: who get stuck in your situation are always just like searching like oh we're gonna do it one more time they don't even want to anymore like they, they're like do you want to have another baby no but we'll do it <laughs> you don't think you're having a, a bunch of kids
1: no way no way i know i i do know and actually once you have um i forget what the statistic was exactly but once you have. Two or possibly three of the same sex, then your your statistical likelihood of having the opposite sex for the third or fourth um goes, goes down. way, way down. Oh. So, like
0: like this is just the soup you guys are comes out this way. Yeah,
1: kind of like there's some genetic components and environmental components, and some people are more prone to the environment that's good for girls or boys. Mm. So if you have this evidence backing it up already that. Uh, You have these two boys or whatever, you know.
0: Then you don't need to go Don't go for it again
1: (laughs) if you're really (laughs) hoping for
0: it. Well, I don't want to get too far off track, but um, a lot of boys in your family. Is there a lot of type 1 in your family?
1: There's no uh, history of any autoimmune conditions in my family that I'm aware of.
0: It's just you. Just me. Literally, like, you don't have a grandma that looks tired all the time Uh, or anything like that? So
1: my grandparents have all passed away, Mm -hmm. and... I do know that, you know, people weren't as aware of kind of what were the different complications that were happening to people. Um, so it's it's possible that there has been some genetic history that I'm not aware of, not aware of. for great grandparents or grandparents.
0: Right. It's just but, interesting that on my, uh, on my wife's side of the family, the autoimmune stuff stays with the women. Most, oh, really? Mostly. But very recently, we think my son might have Hashimoto's. So maybe not. Uh So I don't know. Do you have any other ones or just type one? You're only get
1: just type one. Uh, Yeah. yeah. My, uh, my godmother has Hashimoto's. So I'm just starting to learn about that, but we're not related.
0: It's so funny when you said just type one, my inclination was to make a joke and the joke that popped into my head, I actually stopped from coming out, which is a real (laughs) like triumph for me. It's not going to stop me from saying it now. I just wanted you to know that I didn't mean it. But like when you, when I said, did you have just one? You said, no, just one. I was going to go loser. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> kind of a type one can't get another autoimmune disease.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there's still time, you know.
0: <laughs> don't give up. That's a good attitude.
1: <laughs> I actually just, I was listening to the um one of your podcasts about trial net and I forwarded it to, cause I have four brothers. Okay. So I forwarded it to my parents and my brothers and I, I have five nephews and a niece. And so I was just thinking,
0: Be interesting. even though
1: some of my brothers have kind of aged out, there's still, some of them are still kind of in the range where it would really help them to potentially get tested. Just and,
0: yeah. That's such an interesting concept about wanting to know or not wanting to know. I think, mm-hmm. I think I know, it's funny, I think I know what side of it I'm on until you really start applying it. Well, I guess I should say this, Cole, Cole was tested when he was 12 and he didn't have any antibodies, right? Um, and when the Hashimoto's came up around, like he's almost 21, like your first inclination was like, should we test him again for diabetes antibodies? So I talked to the person I know it at, at, um, at trial net and I said, you know, should we do this again? And they said, if you don't have antibodies the first time, it's, they don't even retest for it after that. Like, it's incredibly unlikely. And it made me mm. feel, it made me feel good. You know, now yeah, I, if he had them back then, I guess we would retest now. And then at least you'd know, Like you, you know what I mean? Like, so. And
1: it's, yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because I feel my first thought was, this is amazing. Um. I think everyone in my family will want to do it. Mm -hmm. I just thought automatically, like, this is, like, information is power, and there will be support for you if you have anything. Plus, there's this new studies for prevention. Mm -hmm. Um, Potentially, you could prevent it even for some years. This is absolutely worth knowing. Um, And I don't think a single brother has acted on it at all or even responded which is very unlike my family so
0: they're just ignoring you completely they're like we're gonna pretend this text didn't come
1: (laughs) okay in their defense it is like the season of covid and it's a crazy year and everyone's children are doing school from home and it's not really a good time to add on some other
0: potential health crisis but but it would have been neat to hear like thank you I'll think about this. <laughs> they were just yeah, like, I don't. They need all one have more thing.
1: little children, so I just kind of cut them slack.
0: Well, I think that's a good look into why people don't do it. Sometimes is that it just feels like, like what, do, like when am I going to do that? Like, there's so much going on already. Um, is your life slower there than it was in California? Like, and I don't mean like in a bad way. I mean, is it more paced and comfortable? For me, it is.
1: Um, I'm a little bit limited professionally mm. here because I am not speaking the language fluently. So um, in California, I'm an occupational therapist and um, here I'm not able to work as an occupational therapist in, unless I can pass this sort of language competency mm. um, proficiency level. Um, and so now I'm working as a native English speaker in a kindergarten and oh. uh, only part time because right now because of pregnancy and everything uh, and just kind of doing you know teaching on the side taking some slovenian classes but m- my life has definitely slowed down um
0: did that help with your I, type you know. 1 do you think did that give you Sorry. More, did that i was wondering if that helped with your management like does it help to not be rushing so much
1: yes yeah. and so just to just to bring up kind of the differences in the Slovenian healthcare system and the U S healthcare system a little, it is, uh, really amazing. If you are type one diabetic over here, you can have the entire nine months of pregnancy as paid sick leave. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you get a year of maternity leave after that.
0: So a year and nine months, if you're pregnant, and yeah. you have type one.
1: And potentially you split that year with your husband. So he could have three months Some and you could too. take nine months, something
0: like that. But oh. So the family gets a year and nine months to use the way they want to. Mm-hmm. Wow. How much of it did you, did you keep teaching? Are you teaching still, but just not as much? So
1: I am still teaching now, but um, it's really very, very part time. And my, my, Uh, I would work at a Montessori kindergarten and it's very sort of family oriented and they're just basically letting me say how many hours I want to work. And
0: that's lovely.
1: That's Yeah, it's great. Actually.
0: I, I, not that I'm trying to game the system, but my mind wonders, say you wanted to work your first seven months of your pregnancy. Could you take off a year and seven months after you have the baby? Like, can you use the different. It's a
1: different kind of thing. You you can you have to get the doctor to sort of sign off saying that you are in fact type one diabetic mm-hmm. and pregnant during this time. And then right. it's actually it is still kind of a headache in terms of the paperwork to get reimbursement. And something in favor of living in California over uh Slovenia is that the the salaries in general are much, much higher in California compared with here. So the so. point is,
0: it's not that expensive to pay you while you're not working to begin with. <laughs> Got
1: yeah. <it>. Gotcha. No, <laughs> no,
0: nah, nah, that, that makes sense too. Uh, well, I, I thought for sure, you know, I was like, oh, this is going to be one of these situations. And it kind of is the way you, the, you know, what you did h- here at home. You know, when you, you meet somebody who's an immigrant, they're like, you know, I used to be a doctor and now I work at a grocery store. Like that kind of feeling. and um and not that either of those professions are better than the other, but it's, I can't get a job. I can't even get, I like, I have to get a job where, you know, I can come in and learn the job on, you know, while I'm working. It's, it's not like you're even showing up with any information prior to. Like, yeah. You know, background. Well,
1: and I mean, some of the, I was thinking if I lived here longer, um, which we're sort of hoping to potentially live here again, uh, after we move back to California for some years, then come back to Slovenia for some years. um, and potentially, I could, uh, once I kind of finished the language learning, mm-hmm. to a certain extent, I could work. Um, so I started volunteering here as an occupational therapist. Ah. And I will say also that the environment that I was volunteering at was amazing mm-hmm. compared with some of the environments that I've volunteered at or worked at in the U S as an occupational therapist in terms of resources and tools and kind of ideology. It was really like, it would be wonderful to work work here.
0: (laughs) So you just have to, you know, got to learn some more words and phrases. That's all. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's nice to see that there's a, a level of, um, competency that they're not willing to, to sink below, you know, that Mm -hmm. really is kind of great. Um, I bet you'll be able to do it. Don't yeah,
1: you it's it's slow, but I've been working for a couple of years. So little by little.
0: Yeah. I mean, Melania Trump was the first lady. So you should be able to be an occupational therapist in Slovenia. <laughs> I think you seem yeah. you seem smarter than her. If I'm just saying, <laughs> so <laughs> I think you can Thanks. do it. <laughs>
1: Uh, all of the Slovenians learn English automatically, basically starting in kindergarten. Okay. And uh, and then they usually start learning an additional language like German or something like this mm-hmm. um, as they progress through school. So most adults, as they finished high school, speak something close to three languages yeah. and many speak more.
0: It's so messed up here because the way they teach a second language to kids around here is you just have to pass the test. You don't have to speak it. So, right. you know, I took three years of French. I don't know a word of French. My son took Spanish forever. Like, I think he was like two classes away from having it as a minor in college. Can't speak Spanish at all. And right. and my daughter said that her French teacher is being yelled at by her. This is one of these Zoom like things you learn during Zoom. She's like, my French teacher is being yelled at by her Russian parents and we're watching movies. <laughs> <I> was, I'm, <laughs> okay. like, I'm like, what now? Say it again. She said we're gonna watch a movie with you know in in French, and then the day comes and she's like I couldn't find this movie in French, so you now you're just watching you know Finding Nemo. My yeah. my my eleventh graders watching Finding Nemo at ten o'clock in the morning, and she's like I'm like they're not teachers because no she's busy getting yelled at by her parents. So I'm like, <laughs> Yay okay. education that,
1: that, that all feels very familiar. I actually really liked my French teacher in high school, but we definitely watched finding Nemo in French. and it is definitely true that I I took three years of French in high school and three years of French in college and I don't speak French yeah. now as an adult.
0: I don't know how we mess stuff up so much. like it's everyone's so focused on just like you have to have a good grade so you can get your next thing. You know, right. I want a good grade in high school, so some good college will take me. I want a good grade in college so I can get some job. Meanwhile, nobody knows what they're doing in high school. Nobody knows what they're doing in college, and they get their job, and they don't know what they're doing either. And everyone's just trying to pretend their way through to retirement.
1: Yeah. That's I mean, fine. I think it would be different if if I had moved to Quebec or something and mm-hmm. been in a place where they're speaking French. It would have sunk in. But Yeah. Um, now it's been a decade since I ever even tried to speak French and it's just gone. Yeah.
0: Arden asked me one time, she's like, what do you remember about French? And I was like, I think Nuf means nine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: That's what I got. Sorry. Uh, madame, (laughs) I I don't have much of it, uh, at all. Well, that's interesting. Okay. So you with your, I think we understand that you prior to CGM were, um, in the mid sixes drifting into the sevens sometimes, but probably had some more variability than you wanted to. You have a mm-hmm. CGM, now you can see it. Your, how do you do you get yourself where you want to be with your A1C and your variability prior to pregnancy, or does the pregnancy shock you into doing it? How did how did that go?
1: Yeah, I guess I did get close it was kind of gradual. Um I was talking about the idea of trying to get pregnant, um, but not really getting serious about it for maybe a year before we started trying. And uh, my doctors were saying, yeah, you need to get your, ideally you need to get your um, A1C below a six. And that felt pretty daunting. I can remember thinking, I don't know if I've ever been below a six. Mm-hmm. Um And, and that was actually when I got the CGM, the Dexcom, because um, that was, yeah, about a year before we were really thinking about pregnancy. And I was thinking, "Ah, I'm going to need to wear one during pregnancy anyway. So I better start getting used to it now. And then, uh, yeah, so I think prior to conception, I was really more like, Right around the six level, okay, maybe 6.1 or 6.0, something like that. But even like just that.
0: that like idea of moving it down like a quarter of a point or half a point seemed impossible?
1: Uh, no, but I, you know, prior to that, I was probably more in the high sixes. Ah, okay. uh, so it was still, I had still been moving it down um, noticeably with the help of the CGM. Uh, But then once I was about a six, it started to seem like, okay, this is more doable. And then um, this is kind of interesting, actually. I started having A1Cs in the fives pretty much all through the pregnancy so far. And then I think two or three months ago, I had one that was in the fours. And (laughs) wow, I'm really doing doing okay. Um, But then I talked to my sister-in-law who is a nurse and she also has studied diabetes a lot. And she was saying, well, actually the A1Cs during pregnancy, start to get a little wonky because your blood volume increases so much that um, they might reflect a bit lower than you actually are. So Um, is
0: that idea that it would literally dilute, it would dilute it? Oh okay.
1: She yeah. said, so, you know, that's great. Congratulations on your four. Oh, she's like, but you didn't. <laughs> you know, that. but don't get too swept off your feet. Well, listen,
0: I think you're making a strong uh, um argument here for staying pregnant your whole life till you can get a girl. Right? I mean, if your A1C is going to stay 4.8, you might as well just just keep <laughs> chugging them out. You're not Catholic, are you? No. no, no. <laughs>
1: and I, you know, I pretty much was not even sure if I wanted to have one or, you know, now we're thinking maybe we'll have two, but it's just like I'm not having more than two kids. You know, I would have been happy having zero kids, I'm pretty sure. Yeah.
0: Uh, the other day, my yeah. wife said, um, it was a lot more fun when they were little, and I said, "Yes, it was." <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> I would think that it would start to be pretty fun again once they kind of get out of your hair and you can yeah, you can go travel and see the world. If
0: you care about them, it sucks as soon as they can think for themselves. If I'm being honest, mm. <laughs> because now you have being like being serious. Now you have to. Like, you know what it's like to have a relationship with your husband, right? And mm-hmm. he's got ideas and you have ideas and you have to find a blend between them. Imagine if you were married to two other guys, too, and you had to <laughs> blend all three of their ideas together with yours. And one of them felt the same way about the other three. And so did the other one. And everyone's just trying to like, and nobody wants chicken on the same night. I can tell you that much. And that stuff starts happening. And you're like, oh, my God, do you remember when you could just say to them, hi, this is chicken shut up and eat it. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and okay. They, they'd go, I see. okay. And then you'd say, uh, hey, I thought today we'd go uh, to Grandma's house and go swimming. And everybody would go, okay. Not one of them would go, no, nah, I have plans. And the other one would say, I don't want to swim. And then you just go, wait, what? And <laughs> I, I, Why am I incorporating your thoughts into my life? And then before you know it, and then you're trying to save money to send them to college. And then you start thinking – Oh, God, what if I die? How are they going to take care of themselves? So now you're taking every extra dollar you have and sticking it somewhere. and
1: You know, and then when you say things like that, I just really feel like, why am I moving back to the United States where college costs an arm and a leg when I could raise my kids in Slovenia and – They would have college built in for free and get paid a stipend while they're in college. Yes. Well, you
0: can thank my son's college bills for the veracity in which I make this podcast. So (laughs) (laughs) there are days I get up and I'm like, "Mm, I don't really. But here we go. And, you know, like I'm doing this and it's not that I don't love making the podcast. I don't want to say that. I'm just saying I might take a day off once in a while if it wasn't for like the pressure of just making money to make money so that you can do this thing and then have money. Then have my son come home and tell me like that class was a waste of time. And then I think about how much I paid for it. And I'm just like, it sends a chill through your spine.
1: Yeah. It is a weird, I mean, I have four brothers and we all have gone to college to some degree or another. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy to think about when you start doing the math on how much does one course cost and then how many classes are in that course. And then, so if you're sick one day and you don't go to the lecture, like you don't want to do that math, you know, it's like,
0: no, I have already. I know you don't want to. <laughs> yeah. My, my son was telling me about a friend the other day. He's like, oh, he, he uh, he's taking one class virtually. Like a lot of kids, like my son skipped this semester completely. He said that virtual learning was so terrible. He's like, I'm just going to skip a semester, cross my fingers for COVID getting better and, and go back in the fall. And, mm-hmm. but he's got a friend who's taking one class and they're excited that it's such an easy class. He doesn't have to go to the class. And I was like, I bet his parents aren't excited about that news. You know, oh, no, he's going to get a great grade. I'm like, will he learn anything? He goes, no, I don't think so. I was like, then I'm not certain what's happening then. Yeah. You know, other than what I mentioned earlier, which is everybody's just trying to achieve to move and nobody learns anything. Yeah. You know,
1: I have to say, I'm definitely struggling with that mental shift a little bit as I'm taking these Slovenian language classes, because it really doesn't matter at all what grade you get. And I was always an, kind of an a little bit of a nervous, a student kind of person. Yeah. Uh, and
0: well, let I'm me remind worst. you that Nuf means nine. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, you know, the point is not whether or not you're good or not. You know, the point is that you're learning you're the language it. so that you can freaking speak the language in the country that you're in, you know, speak with my husband's grandma. Like, this is the point. Yep. Uh, so I'm really having to do
0: like a mental shift. When Cole, when Cole <laughs> left for school, I said, listen, you have to keep your GPA high enough to keep your money because he's getting money for a number of d- uh, different reasons. Says that, you need a GPA high enough to hold that money. You lose that money, you're coming home. So mm-hmm. there's that. But after that, you don't need a 4.0. What I need you to do is leave college understanding something, mm-hmm. like having a grasp of something. Like When Arden said to us she wanted to go to fashion school, I was like, or at least she'll come out with like a, a demonstrative like thing that she knows how to do. And then I found yeah. out that it's much cheaper. And I was like, well, then right on. This is definitely the way you should go.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's a usable she, skill.
0: Well, it's, you know. Until she said, could I go in London or France? And then I was like, oh, who the hell is going to pay for that? <laughs> so I was like, I don't know. That seems expensive to me. But uh, maybe
1: take a year off and do something with fashion, raise some money, get a job.
0: That'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's it. You're going to get them. They're going to co- cut. It's going to be the cutest little, greatest thing in the world. And you're going to have all these high minded ideas about shaping them. And, and then one day he's going to turn like 12 or 13 and disappear into his bedroom for like three or four years. And <laughs> that'll make you super sad. Uh, and then I'll get a bunch of friends. And then you're going to be thinking a lot about, I hope he doesn't drink too much or drink at all or do drugs. Then you'll worry for that for about four or five years. And then you'll think, oh, I hope that girl doesn't stick because she's really not the right one. I don't think you'll worry about that. And then he'll leave and you'll feel abandoned and that'll be it. Yay you. You're going to have a great time. <laughs> no. The child-rearing progression. Meanwhile, it's, it's the best thing that I've ever done in my life.
1: Yeah, that I mean, so. that is nice to hear. I spend more time uh, thinking about diabetes by far than I ever have, truly ever at any other time in the last nine months, uh, and so I haven't spent as much time maybe thinking about how it is actually to be rearing children, and you yeah. know, once he's here, what will that be like? And
0: yeah. they yell just, a lot, and then they're going To like pee on you and stuff like that, and throw yeah, it. it's about like that. One, one, eventually, you get to this really cool spot where you're just like, Oh, it's happening, and they start moving. And like, the, when the crawling happens and everything, it's all listen I, again. I can talk about it and sound cynical all you want, but it's the best thing I've ever done was raising my yeah. kids, and it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I said to Kelly the other day, It's interesting, isn't it? People who are, uh, we were talking about somebody you're not supposed to talk about people but we were talking about people and um and uh, these people are having marital trouble and it doesn't look like it's going to go well and i said uh it's interesting isn't it like when you're together it's everybody complains about how much it sucks you know and being married is hard and all this stuff but people who are alone complain about being alone married people never say i'm glad i'm not alone alone people never say you know i'm glad i'm not married it's always like the thing i have is bad yeah and and so you have to, at some point, just realize that everything comes with complications. And yeah. you know, being ready for what they are, I don't think is bad. Like, I think that my explanation could sound cynical to people, but I don't think of it as cynically. I just think of it as, like, reasonably speaking, it's about what might happen, you know, along, yeah. along the way. And being ready for well, it is good.
1: And you said something that I, I kind of want to say something, but it's it's not exactly on topic. But you, you made me think... Um, One of the reasons that I got into listening to your podcast and actually got, so I, just to give you a short background, um, I got into the podcast when I got pregnant pretty much Mm. because I was living in Slovenia and it's a different healthcare system here. And I didn't really know what to expect. And I just felt like I could use some support, um, in general. And I looked for podcasts that might talk about diabetes and pregnancy. And then you had, with Samantha series. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And I think I listened to that one first. And then you also had one with Jenny Smith about uh, pregnancy and, and and then I I actually had purchased her book and I didn't realize it was the same Jenny Smith.
0: That's funny. Um,
1: And I've been reading her book and I like almost cried the other day because it was so accurate to (laughs) my emotional experience uh, during the seventh month of pregnancy. Um, But anyway, Uh, Oh, shoot. Did I lose my train of thought here? Oh, I was just going to say, then I started listening to some of the other episodes also. And uh, some of the ones that caught my attention were ones about complications, people who are dealing with complications. And um, what I was realizing is that I have had fear of complications without wanting to do the whole thing of like Google search gangrene you know or i don't know like even as an occupational therapist i've had patients who have amputated legs and i'm helping them to work on their amputate you know how to walk how to be non weight bearing in the meantime and so i'm definitely flirting with this understanding but it it feels very something that i just don't want to dig into too much like very dark and scary mm-hmm. And uh, once I realized that you have these episodes with these real people talking about their real complications and being willing to list kind of every complication under the sun and talk about how it affected them, but still be human, still be positive, still be experiencing their lives in a normal way, an accessible, open way, just made it all so much more approachable for me. And I think that... um, okay, I value listening to the podcast for some pregnancy advice um, with diabetes. But I think this is probably the nicest thing that the podcast offered me is just an opportunity to expose myself in a sort of safe (laughs) setting to the to the complications, and then, and then not be afraid of finding out more, not being so afraid of the outcomes. And, you know, they're not very likely to happen to me anyway. So it wasn't something that was like, I really need to look into this, but I tend to be a person who likes to know what's the worst case scenario. Right. So this is kind of a weird black hole of information for me where I was like, mm, I just don't need to know.
0: Yeah. Like maybe, maybe I'll just pretend and just not look over there. Kind Yeah.
1: Of yeah. <laughs> like, okay. My, my management has been good enough, so I don't need to.
0: Yeah. Sort of like complications are the old chair in the corner where you pile things. And you just and you walk into the room, you're like, isn't this part of the room terrific? Don't look over there. Uh, I understand. And I'm thrilled that it did that. I have to say that my understanding of how valuable that is for people, especially right in your age range, who have had diabetes for a certain amount of time, is becoming greater. I'm hearing from more people like you who are saying that – I don't know if it went out yet or not, but I interviewed somebody who I thought for certain was going to come on and talk about how they learned to help themselves like with insulin and and how it got them there. And then she just floored me by saying, I knew how to take care of myself. I just didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And she's like, and the podcast led me to want to take care of myself. And I just, I never, like, I didn't imagine that part of it. And that's the part I can't, I kind of can't imagine it because I don't I don't have diabetes. I think that's the that's the spot where I was going to say it hurts the show that I don't have type one, but it turns out the people who come on filled in that need, so mm-hmm. it's really lovely. I'm glad to hear. And Jen, Jenny, if that you almost cried reading the book, will make Jenny very happy. Um, <laughs> meaning that the yeah, the, the
1: and book I'm for, you know I'm forget, I feel embarrassed. I don't have the book right here because I'm forgetting the name of the co-author, and she also uh, I yeah. connect to her as yeah, well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. No, I 100 percent know. Um, but it's so weird that you heard Jenny on a podcast and we're reading a book that she helped write. And didn't know it was the same person. That's really <laughs> yeah. cool.
1: Well, because I just, you know, when I got pregnant, I was like, I'm just going to order any book. And it turns out there are not so many books out there for no. type 1 diabetics and pregnancy.
0: I think on our schedule coming up, Jenny and I are going to talk about postpartum.
1: Oh, uh, cool. I think, I think we're doing Do pro- it soon wait. so that I can listen to <laughs> Well,
0: I will hurry up just for you and get it done. Uh, <laughs> no, I think we're doing a, a pro tip on postpartum soon, which oh, will be lucky for you because I won't be saying much. I'll just be making yeah. stupid pregnancy references whenever jokes pop into my head while she's explaining stuff. So, nice. Yeah.
1: yeah. I also just talked to a type one diabetic who, um, who really amazed me. She, she's a wife of a coworker of my brother, So not really a connection of mine, but um, but she's a type one diabetic who had twins mm. and uh, a couple years ago and then had another baby after that. And so uh, just having twins is already a very high risk kind of situation. And, uh, so I was, I'm kind of like fishing for all of the, what are all the other tips for after you give birth that you can take care of? She said, Oh yeah, you're always going to be low blood sugar, uh, when you're breastfeeding. So have pots of gummy bears or jelly beans around in the house. And I think I saw actually that that's also listed in uh, Jenny Smith's
0: book. Okay. Um, yeah, She just said to me a couple months ago, she's like, we need to do, because it's interesting how the pro tip series started. Like Jenny, I know you've heard her a lot on the show and a lot of people have, but um, Jenny was just a guest. She was a person who came on once and came on again. And I always thought like, I really love the way she talks about diabetes. And so mm-hmm. when there was this day where I thought I want to do a pro tip series to like kind of take the bigger ideas out of the podcast and put them just in one place I thought, I need somebody else with me to balance it out. And I asked her. She was really kind to do it. And I think I sent her 10 topics. And I was like, don't worry. I know this is going to be a lot. And I appreciate it. But it's only going to be these 10 topics. And then I won't bother you anymore. And then, you know, I was like, well, what about this one? And she's like, also, we should be talking about this, too. And then before I knew it, she just told me privately one day. She's like, I love coming on your podcast. And I was oh, like, awesome. OK. I said, well, do you want to keep doing this? And she's like, sure. So we just... She comes on. She's on my schedule. You guys
1: have a great dynamic. And I feel like you come at it from different perspectives. Um, You know, she has sort of a bit of an academic approach, but it's, but she's still very accessible. I don't think she makes it overly complicated. I agree. And then you have a very real life experiential approach. Yeah and uh and also it's digestible for people right and so i think you you balance each other out really well and then you have kind of a nice rapport as well so it's perfect i
0: swear to you like when it got done i i i've said to her privately i was like i wish that this whole thing made enough money that i could just say jenny i'm going to hire you and like let's just make this podcast forever because she's so like perfect but obviously that's not how it works and i've recently found and hopefully this will keep going. Erica, who's a therapist, who I have a really great vibe with, and and I've recorded a couple more things with her. Um, I'm starting to find people that fit into some certain spots. Uh, mm-hmm. Kim, Kim came on the other day and talked about uh, uh, different. Um, oh, my God. Uh, a, a very simple word just fell out of my head. <laughs> wow don't get old um my <laughs> god so when people do sciencey stuff to try to figure out if drugs do things those are called oh
1: uh yeah trials uh, yeah go. no i actually just listened to this uh i think i just listened to this episode
0: with kim yeah and and she, we got done and i said to her, i was like you can do this again i was like whenever you have more like like stuff to fill in for people like let me know She just had a good way of going through it, and I was comfortable with her. That ends up being the key sometimes is that I just need to be comfortable with the person I'm talking to. Yeah, like a one off, a one off doesn't matter. You know, I can talk to anybody one time, but there are people I've had, I think, great interviews with that I wouldn't want to do it again with them. Yeah, but there are some people when I'm just like, wow, we could do this again, this would be okay. Y- you know.
1: Yeah, she she also was um, very well informed, I would say, and um, I was also thinking about whether or not to forward this episode to my family, but I don't want to like bombard them, you know. You don't...
0: Plus, if they ignore you twice while you're pregnant, it's gonna start getting to <laughs> you. You're gonna your, your emotions will start building up, and you'll be like, nobody cares what I think. And then, um, so we, yeah, well, you
1: know, one of my brothers has three kids, so it's like, okay, uh... he gets a write off for whatever. Yeah, he's you know, busy. He. And they're all boys yeah. and they're running around and yeah. they're at home cause it's COVID, you
0: know, yeah. it's, Oh, it's getting, it's absolutely getting crazy. My son is at the end of his wits. If there's a wits end, my son found it. Like it's, <laughs> it's been enough, you know, and, but he takes the COVID thing seriously. So he's still doing what he's doing. And, and I think rightfully so, but the point is, is that he's just, he needs to go do something. And then it snowed here and we were like, wait, wait, Like, I can't even walk in the yard now. Like, like I lost that. (laughs) You know, it's it's really terrible.
1: Um, Oh, yeah. That was really terrible for people in California. Sorry. Just a short thing. Um, People in California this last summer, there were a lot of wildfires during the COVID season. And so people were like, okay, don't go out to restaurants or public places ever. And also, don't leave your house at all because the air quality is so poor. Right, and I think I know a lot of people started really having some emotional difficulties no, at it that was time. It's too
0: too locked down. It's it's you're you're just literally being like like I I said the other day. I I honest to God was standing in my kitchen and I thought, oh my god, there's that wall in the living room again. Like I just looked up and I was like, there's that wall looks exactly yeah. the same as it looked the last time I looked at it and I was, I I like my home and I'm starting to get angry at it <laughs> you know like just yeah <laughs> I want to and I can't imagine how he feels he lost you know like I said he lost school this semester mm-hmm. um he might have Hashimoto's there's side effects from it that he's still getting through you know like as the medicine's coming online and um it's limited his ability to work out he's a college athlete so everything mm-hmm. that he does is just sort of like got took from him at once not that it hasn't happened to everybody but you know, yeah but that's horrible. a
1: lot to yeah. take on at one time
0: yeah that's it's, it, it's just too yeah. much so uh t- and tomorrow's his birthday
1: happy birthday is he are you gonna see him
0: oh he's here he just oh yeah he's here yeah, yeah. The... but the point is is like I, having a birthday during covid didn't is not easy to do to begin with and you're already bummed out about other stuff and you can't be around your friends and you're 20 yeah. you're 21 and I'm gonna give you a cupcake it's not exactly uh ah
1: 21 huh
0: yeah the whole thing it's just ba- he's having a bad couple of months he really yeah is. but um
1: my nephew just turned 20 uh and it was kind of similar like he's not at home right now but he was like yeah we're not gonna do that much and Thinking, "Ah, Well, at least he's not turning 21 because that's the one where you really want to go out drinking with your friends
0: I don't think my son's much of a drinker, but there's things he would definitely uh, I think there's things he definitely wants to be doing that he's not going to be doing and a lot of the guys from his team Are in a vacation house together and he's not there right now because of what he's going through So it's just really terrible. Like I I I've never felt worse for him specifically And he is one of those people for the first 20 years of his life, like nothing ever went wrong. Like, I think he fractured his wrist once when he was 15. But other than that, like he's athletic and strong and excels at things and has never really had a you know, something pushing backwards like this before. So it's really mm-hmm. something. Hey, um, I'm sorry, we skipped over the part where I wanted to ask you and we're up on an hour, but I still want to ask you. Um, <laughs> no problem. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, you're in Slovenia, you have nothing to do. Just calm. Down.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I'm like, hardly. Yeah, it's really true. You're <laughs> like, I could do this
0: it. all day. Don't worry about it. Um, but no, you've been great. And I enjoyed the conversation. But I wanted to ask you specifically, if you can point to what you did to go from high sixes to low sixes from low sixes to into the fives. Like, do you know what happened?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, okay. I would attribute a lot, a lot of this success to the Dexcom specifically. Um, but it also just becomes, I think it's just a matter of attention more so than anything else you know, I didn't want diabetes to be such a large focus in my life for, for my whole life that I've had it pretty Mm much. I mean, I was never ignoring it and I was taking good enough care, but, but then when I got pregnant, it became a really large part of the focus. Mm -hmm. And um, so now I've been kind of, you, you have made jokes a number of times, like, I can't imagine being a person who's counting every carb and weighing everything. And I will just add that over here, they use the metric system. So I'm starting to get really good at, well, okay. I'm getting better anyway, at guesstimating how many grams something weighs like baking with a scale. I'm usually using a scale to weigh out how many grams and Mm -hmm. what's the carb percentage. Um, And I've started taking into consideration fats and proteins um, which I wasn't paying very much attention to before, so I think it's just a lot of attention to yeah. small things.
0: See, I, I'm I'm always waiting for somebody to say something that's a little different, so it can it can resonate with people listening. But I, I have to say that I think that the those pro tip episodes are so valuable because I did boil it down to like what it is. And it's just, you got to stop your blood sugar from getting high and pre-bolus and pay attention. Um, yeah. you know, get your insulin right. It's, there's not really, isn't it weird to think now from where you came from that it really isn't much more than that. It, yeah. It, Cause didn't it feel and like, you know it I was
1: pre-bolusing before and, you know, but just sort of, sort of, Less consistently, mm-hmm. the stakes were just lower. Yeah. I think.
0: Yeah. So it's you're doing it for the baby. Now here's the question: Are you going to do it for yourself after the baby comes out?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a cool. It's a, actually it's maybe a more difficult question than than it seems because, of course, my answer is yes.
0: <laughs> I'll definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. And then that kid will be but, two months old, and you won't uh, sleep for a couple months you know, Hopefully,
1: a I can actually back myself up and and hold my own and not kind of let myself slide. Um, I do feel like I've learned a lot and I feel like it's easier than I thought it was going to be. Okay. If you had asked me three months ago, it would be really mind boggling to hear myself saying that now Mm -hmm. because three months ago it felt so difficult, but I'm learning to adapt to the changes and I'm learning a lot. I mean, it just like these, all these little small things that are not so difficult to do. They're just, habit habits that when you form them then you can adapt more and more easily Mm -hmm. and you know i think for you also it's probably hard to imagine how people could possibly not take care of themselves but so much of the time it's just do you have the habits do you have the knowledge well in the other order do you have the knowledge first and then do you have the habits built right um
0: yeah i don't believe that people ignore their health on purpose I think, I think they don't know what to do and then they start getting responses back from their health that tells them this is untenable and then they give up and that's it. I don't have tools. It's going wrong. I tried again. It didn't happen. This is frustrating. This must be, that's where people come up with, this is just diabetes. This must just be what it is and there's nothing I can do about it." it. And it's completely understandable to reach that spot. Um, I probably would have too. Like I think all the time, like if this happened to me and not to Arden, I don't imagine I'd be very good at this. Like it was the desire to help Arden that helped me push through yeah. all the stuff that I didn't understand that was happening. Yeah. You know? And And
1: now you have so much knowledge, it's like it would be hard to you can't unknow everything that you know now. It would be kind of crazy to imagine somebody doing something um like like this person you're talking about who said actually she knew how to take her care of herself, but she just had to make a mental shift mm-hmm. to do it. And that can, I think that can be the part of the habit formation. like,
0: yeah, I, I agree with you too. And you have to it's it's sort of like anything else. Like if you see it getting away from you, you have to draw a line in the sand somewhere in the future and say, all right, if we get to that, I, I have to stop myself. Um, mm-hmm. But at this point now, mismanagement for Arden. Means more of like a 5859 five, A1C. And that, mm-hmm. and that I do attribute to what you're saying, just the idea that, like, I, be, you know, and the podcast has really helped me with it because I had all this information coming in, but there just can be no doubt that talking about it
1: mm-hmm. just
0: made it stronger. Like, it feels like, it feels like maybe I, you know, I had this strength, but now it's just multiplied over and over again. And it's from talking yeah. to people like now messing up looks more like a five, nine at any point. And I don't even think about a one C in three months anymore. Like now there's apps. Like I look in SugarMate, and, or, you know, you use the XCOM clarity and you say, all right, where have I been in the last 10 days? You know, like, like, and uh, all right. In the last 10 days, this has happened. Or you, sometimes you look in like for the last two days, she's been a six, two, but, but for the last 10 days, she's been a five, five. And you just say, okay, like, there's a reason for that, you know, hormone, yeah. hormones or whatever. And you just kind of can't, it's just like you're driving. You know what I mean? Like, you know how eventually you've been driving for so long, you don't <laughs> know you're driving anymore. Like you've just, you've been doing it for so many years. You get in the car, the car goes, you don't hit things. You don't come close to having an accident. Sometimes you're not even looking up. You feels like, you know, like it's just, I know, yeah. how, I know how to do this now. It just works.
1: Completely yeah. autopilot. Yeah. yeah. And I think
0: that happens for people eventually with diabetes It's just very hard to believe that it's going to happen in the beginning when someone like me says, don't worry, diabetes is always going to be hard, but you're going to get so good at it that one day it's going to feel easy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, of course. And I I will say it helps to have things. It helps to have some like the podcast can also offer for people um, a little reason to kind of learn about something new or try something different or adapt. So you don't get too autopilot ish.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you talked about it earlier. Um, Like you, you kind of age through it to the point where you're just like, you start, it's not the right way to do things anymore. And this is a constant conversation. People are always going to come in and we're going to talk about things that are newer. I mean, I have every hope that maybe even by the time this goes up, Arden will be using Omnipod 5, and that'll be a new way to talk about diabetes, right? Like, yeah. you know, and people can keep. I'm sort of hoping to,
1: to get an Omnipod. Um, yeah. So, uh, w- one small point about uh, Slovenian healthcare versus US healthcare. If I can just list a pro and a con mm-hmm. <laughs> real quick, because I've been meaning to, I'm making a mental note of things I don't want to forget to please, say. Please. Um, yeah. So, I, I actually have the G6 Dexcom in California but they don't have it here. So I had it for less than a year Mm -hmm. or maybe just over a year in California before I came here. And then I had to switch back to the G4, which I had never had before. Oh, wow. And uh, it's less accurate. And you have to have a receiver that you carry with you instead of having it on your phone. Right. And uh, I don't know, it's bulkier. and uh just you know these are things that don't really matter like when you get when it's the idea of having a Dexcom or not having a Dexcom I'm very thankful right um but it's a weird situation that I also can't get an Omnipod here because unless I somehow managed to get one in California and have somebody send it which there's no way I could do without insurance right um so yeah, so there are some real limiting factors mm-hmm. uh, about just being in a country that's not kind of this, the basis of where things start a lot of the time.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I've spoken to wealthy people who live in, like, I think Saudi Arabia, and they'll get on a plane and fly here and buy stuff cash and then, <laughs> and then fly back with it. Like, that's how far they have to go to get the the insulin pump that they want or the CGM.
1: Yeah, that's nuts.
0: Yeah, but you're proving um, something, really. I mean, to have your A1C like this through pregnancy with a G4 really is a good, like, wake-up call for people who are, you know, always complaining, like, this, this, you know, where's the 7? You know, like, when's the next one coming out? Like, y- you got yeah. some really good technology already, you know?
1: Yeah, and, you know, yeah, it works. It's not quite as accurate, but sure. it's still pretty accurate. And I have the, um, you know, the... um uh, no, uh, not freestyle. What is it? The one touch contour next. Uh, contour uh, next one. Yeah, thank yeah. you. <laughs> Which you I have this pretty good blood sugar tester, and they're right. usually fairly close together. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but this is how I know that it's this one is less accurate than the previous one. Mm-hmm. because oh and the calibrations is the other thing that's a big difference right with the g6 you don't have to do the calibration so i got really spoiled
0: yeah Yeah, Uh, i hear you but you're saying you can tell the difference between the six and the four the dexcom because you have the contour next one meter and you know how it the accuracy of it goes which you can learn more about at contournext.com forward slash (laughs) juice box i don't usually do that but it felt like it fits right there (laughs) it was very smooth thank you oh yeah not him. Um,
1: so that's a that's a con I wanted to mention. But um, a pro of being here for sure, definitely, definitely, is that when I first got here, um, they said, "Okay, we're going to just run some routine tests mm-hmm. um, because you're a type one diabetic." And they did um, a circulation check with my uh, put some bands on my wrists and ankles and checked how my circulation was in my extremities. Yeah. They did an EKG to check kind of my heart rhythms. They did um, some basic eye exams. That everything was covered by insurance. Many, just a lot more preventative measures yeah. were taken. Yeah. And they said, "This is routine. They do it for all their type one diabetics." Right. And it's, I mean, of course they're like, "Yeah, it's because we care." And as if the U.S. doctors don't care, they just do it for the money. But. But it is true that there's one payer source here. Mm-hmm. And so when there's complications, the same payer source is paying for the recovery, for the transplants, for the yeah. negative outcomes, dialysis. Um,
0: They're trying I think to. It's huge. It's cost cut. They're literally trying to stop you from getting sick so that it doesn't cost them more money down the road. That's kind right. of I mean, the individual
1: sense. doctors in Slovenia sure. and the US care. Of
0: course. Yeah. But the system's but, set up to. One system set up to stop you from getting sick, and the other system set up to take care of you once you get sick.
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly. And right. in the U.S., you know, I'm an occupational therapist, so I've seen it a lot. I've seen patients who they're, you know, they're deemed um, non-compliant and they're kicked down the road to the next higher level of care. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just kind of crazy to think about how our system is set up that. If somebody is having higher and higher level complications, you can push them down the road and somebody else has to pay for it at that point. Yeah. Uh,
0: No, it's not. Here, Well, and here you're getting a better, a better thing. Now, yeah, listen, I think we should be more worried about preventative than we are about just, you know, but it's a very American way, right? Like, it's like getting on a bull. Like, I wonder how long I can sit on this thing before it'll throw me. Like, I wonder how long I can live, ignore my health until like the buzzer goes off and then I'll pay attention. That's sort of how it feels, Right. And I don't know that that's not a human thing, but we definitely support it here with the way things are set up.
1: And again, you know, in the U S we're all very used to it. So it doesn't seem weird at all. Like it actually seems weird to me to come to Slovenia. I'm like, how can you guys all just take this for granted? It's so amazing. And people here are complaining about the healthcare system. Uh, And, and they have different complaints, but they really don't appreciate it. Yeah. People are not thrilled about their healthcare system here.
0: Listen, it would be nice if people appreciated things, but at the same time, I think some of that complaining is what continues to push stuff forward. You know what I mean? Like it makes people mm-hmm. go, "All right, we'll make it better." You know what I mean? And then, the, and then you do, and you do, and you do. It's it's hard. I think it's easier macro to see the success and the and the and how things are are improving in in a lot of different ways. But when you're right there in it, you're just like you know what the hell, like do a better job mm-hmm. for me right now. I think they both, you know, there's a way to think about both things where you could be happy, but um,
1: you yeah, know, not a lot I people, totally agree. You
0: know, not a lot of people get the opportunity to step back. All right. Well, is there anything else that we didn't say?
1: Okay. Yes. Th- sorry. There's one Don't tiny thing that's really haunting me. I messed up my nephew's birthday. I just want to, cause he's definitely going to listen to this. I just want to <laughs> say, I'm pretty sure he is turning 21 this year and that I messed that up before. So uh, I apologize. Don't
0: I can't believe that was the last thing, but okay. <laughs> what's his first name?
1: Anyway. What's, yeah, sorry. Well, uh otherwise no, I think we covered it. What's that your nephew's reason. what's your
0: nephew's first name?
1: Uh his name is Nick.
0: All right, well Nick, happy birthday. Whether you're 20 or 21, <laughs> your aunt apparently cares about you. Uh, and um and you got to cut her a break because she has something that they call placenta brain. Um, yeah. I was just going <laughs> to say, can
1: I get off on pregnancy brain on this one? <laughs>
0: totally. Let that go. I would totally <laughs> let that go. hundred percent. All right. Well, listen, you were absolutely delightful. I'm super excited that we did this. Thank you very, very much. Um,
1: Thank you really for having me. It's been uh, really nice. And I, I do really appreciate having the podcast out there and during the pregnancy. It's made a difference for oh, me. So I,
0: I, I, I appreciate knowing that. And i I'm, I'm I'm thrilled, honestly. Uh, Anytime I hear that it's been helpful for people, it makes me feel a little like jelloy inside. So uh, then I get embarrassed. (laughs) Well, I know you must be thinking, my goodness, Scott, you've done it again. Another amazing episode of the Juicebox podcast. I agree. Huge thanks to Katie for coming on the show and sharing her story. I'd also like to thank TouchedByType1.org for their support. And the Contour Next One blood glucose meter, which you can learn more about at contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Really dig in, figure out if you've got the best meter, and check out TouchedByType1.org. Ooh, ooh, did I did I forget to say? T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox. Go take that survey. When you do, you'll be supporting people with type 1 diabetes and the show. You must be a U.S. resident who has type 1 or is the caregiver of a person with type 1. I have a little update here for you. I got a lot of pictures of a very cute baby. Anyway, she ended up having a very healthy baby boy at 39 plus four weeks. At 39 plus four weeks. And he had no low blood sugars and all of his organs and lungs were fully developed. Yay. That being said, likely because I have diabetes and also because the baby was big to begin with. Oh, wow, baby was 10 pounds, 6 ounces, and delivered by C-section after five hours of laboring, ooh, and not dilating more than three centimeters, ew, boo, uh, hospital was actually great they were cl- when I clearly communicated that I wanted to manage my own diabetes, and my blood sugars were between 3.5 and 5 during the entire laboring process, she says that she forgot to turn off her temp basal during the surgery and ended up going high for several hours. She also thinks that might have been some adrenaline. The only funky thing she says uh, is, is I was in the hospital for four days after the surgery and the standard in Slovenia, that's a standard uh, in Slovenia for hospitals after C-section. And they put her on a type 2 diabetic meal plan, she said, which was a bit goofy. Otherwise, I want to share just a couple of my pictures of my guy. Thanks for doing the podcast with me. Now I'm still figuring out my new basal rates and insulin to carb ratios a little bit and having them pretty much figured out. I have to say that I remind myself often about what you were saying during the podcast when you asked how my control will be after birth. The question is motivating me to ensure that I maintain as tight a control as possible now in these months, despite my new and crazy schedule. Okay, that's it. Another baby not named Scott in the books.